Hi, my name is Amy Watson, and I'm going to be sharing today from John 4, 1 through 42. And Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea to return to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way, and eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the parcel of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, he sat wearily beside the well about noontime. And soon a Samaritan woman had came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised for Jesus refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who I am, you would ask me to give you the living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this is a very deep well. Where would you get this living water? And besides, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his cattle enjoy? And Jesus replied, people soon became thirsty again after drinking this water. But the water that I give them takes away the thirst altogether, and it becomes a perpetual spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me some of that water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to haul the water. Go and get your husband, Jesus said to her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship, while we Samaritans claim that it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors have worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship your father here in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know so little about the one you worship, while we Jews, we know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming and is already here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah will come, the one who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples arrived and they were astonished to find him talking to this woman, but none of them asked him why he was doing it or what they were discussing. The woman left her water jar beside the well and went back to the village and told everyone, come and meet this man who has told me everything I ever did. Can he be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he 
told me everything that I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many of them to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe because we have heard him ourselves. And not just because of what you told us, he indeed is the savior of the world. If I had to summarize the Bible in one word, it would be the word grace. This word doesn't show up in this story of the Samaritan woman, but it is filled with grace. Grace is an unconditional gift to us. It's out of the blue love that when God gives it, it leaves us speechless. We think to ourselves, this can't be true. How is this possible? And though I said the story doesn't have the word grace in it, grace is abounding in this story. And the story isn't just about a woman at the well. It's about us, how God interacts with us and how he offers us grace as well. And so for the next little while, I want to look at four notes of grace that we see in this story. And I want to help us apply this to our lives as well. So here's the first note of grace. Jesus, he knows no boundaries. Just like we read in the story, the Jews and the Samaritans, they hate each other. This goes back to 7 BC. Way back in the day, the Jews and Samaritans, they fought. They hated each other. Jews looked at Samaritans as half-breeds both in ethnicity and religion. They couldn't stand each other, especially the Jews towards the Samaritans. We hear that Jesus has to leave Jerusalem and he's going to Galilee. Now, a normal, uh, the shortest route, I should say, from Jerusalem to Galilee is to go through Samaria. It was about three days. But because the Jews hated the Samaritans, they would go all the way around Samaria. So they didn't have to interact or talk to any Samaritan. Would go all the way around through the Jordan River to get to Galilee, which would have been five to seven days. They were willing to sacrifice two to four days in order to avoid going through Samaria. And if you heard in the story, it says Jesus, having to go to Galilee, had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria because he was a man on mission. He was willing to go through boundary after boundary to find this one woman sitting at the well in the heat of day. Think of all the boundaries that Jesus had to push through. He went through physical boundaries going from Judea to Samaria. And then he ends up talking to a Samaritan He transcends another boundary, an ethnic boundary. People would never talk to a Samaritan. Jesus, he talked to a Samaritan, and the Samaritan was a woman. He crossed a gender boundary. You see, back in the day, even though today's Mother's Day and we celebrate all the moms, back then, women were looked down upon. Men only talk to men. And so that's why in verse 27, the disciples come back and see Jesus talking to a woman. They're astonished that he would be talking to a woman. But Jesus' love knows no boundaries. He'll cross physical boundaries, ethnic boundaries, gender boundaries to get to the point where he can show her love. Jesus won't take the long way around to avoid this woman. He goes right through these boundaries to go right to this woman. Because he, his love has no boundaries. 
as I hear that story, I, I can't help think about our lives and how many times we've ever felt like maybe God would take the long way around to avoid us. Maybe people do that in your life. You look at yourself and like people, they don't want to come right to me. They go around me because they don't like me. And Jesus, he crosses boundary after boundary after boundary to get to somebody that he shouldn't be talking to, to show love and grace. And whatever boundaries that have been put up in your life, thinking you can hold God out or people have hurt you, Jesus will cross those boundaries to meet you. But not only just for us. What about the people in our lives that we think are outside of God's love? Maybe we're the Jew looking down at the Samaritan. How often do we look down on people because of who they are or what they look like or what they wear or where they live or what nationality they are or what they worship? So often we reject those kinds of people. We know neighbors, coworkers, family members, and friends. Even though we don't say it, we would think they're outside of God's love. They, we, are the women at the well. Jesus will cross boundary after boundary after boundary to get to. Another note of God's grace is this, that Jesus, he knows me to the core and still loves me anyways. Jesus knows the thoughts, the things that we hide from people, the words we've said, the acts that we've done that we hope no one finds out about. He loves us anyways. Usually, in that culture, and even in cultures today that have to go to wells to get water, they usually do two things. One, the women usually go in the early morning because it's cooler, and they usually go together because it's a hard work, and they want to do it with family and friends and at least enjoy the hard work together. This woman goes at noon, which is the hottest point of the day. She's alone. She goes at noon, she's alone because no one wants to associate with her. She has a checkered past. Everybody knows what she did. Everyone knows the rumors about her. People stay away. And that's why she has to collect water at noon all by herself. But here comes Jesus, crossing boundary after boundary after boundary. And he sits with her, has a conversation with her, asks her a favor and remember, Jesus, he is fully God. He knows exactly what she has done, just like everybody else knows what she's done. She's not secretive of her life. She's had five husbands, and she's with another man. Everybody knows, but Jesus has to go to Samaria, has to go to that well, has to go when she's alone, because he loves her anyways. I'm not a psychologist, but I've read a lot about psychology, and oftentimes when we are young, we want to be free. We want to truly be ourselves, but when we go into this world, we become wounded very quickly because this world is broken. Whether it's relationships with family members or friends or just other people, we become wounded, and the true, our true selves are buried underneath of walls that we put up, barriers that we put up so that no one can know our true self. 
And even if we are rejected, we can at least justify by saying, you know what? They don't really know me. They rejected a false sense of me. They don't really know me. And I have to protect that because I can't be rejected if they really knew me. This woman just out there. Jesus knows her. Jesus knows you. He knows all of the things that are buried, all the things behind the walls, all the things behind the barriers. He sees that person and he wants to meet you where you are. That is grace. That is love. It's a gift. He will cross whatever boundary it is to meet you where you are. And even those things, you're like, there's no way. Jesus should just go the long way. He won't. He'll come right to you. Even the things that you cringe at, knowing what you've done, he loves you anyways. He doesn't want to just have a conversation, though, with this woman because what she doesn't understand is Jesus doesn't really need something from her. She needs something from him. The third note of grace is this, that Jesus offers the gift of real life. Real, meaningful, purposeful life. A few weeks ago, uh, Dave Baumgartner, who's an elder here at the chapel, and Pastor Jay and Jen Rawson went to Burundi, to our village in Burundi, just to continue to check up on things, how are things going, and one of the greatest needs that they have, just like lots of people around the world, is clean water. We are so grateful that I can just drink from a cup like this, which I need to, by the way, just a second here. We can get water anywhere we want. We even have clean toilet, or water to flush our toilets. <laughs> it's all accessible to us. But around the world, in places like Burundi, they don't have that, and they're desperate for it. And the reason they are is because our bodies are made up of 50%, over 50% of water. It's why we're thirsty all the time. It's why we can go, you know, days and days without food, but we can only go hours, it feels like, without water because we are made of water. We get thirsty so quickly. Here comes Jesus. He's been on foot for quite a long time. He is all man, so just like us, he becomes thirsty. And he meets this woman at the well and he asks her for a drink of water. And though he is thirsty, he's using this water to make a point. And after he asks the question of water, and they start to interact, Jesus flips it and starts to talk to this woman about what she needs from him. Here's what happens. Verse 10, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Well, she is fixated on water, but the physical kind of water. She's talking about how you need a jar or a jug to get this water because it's a deep well. She still doesn't understand what Jesus is saying. So Jesus tries it again in a different way. He says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will, that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Well, this woman all of a sudden figures out that maybe what Jesus has for her will not make her have to come back to the well anymore. 
This still isn't what Jesus is saying. It's more now a convenience thing for this woman. Remember, every day when she has to collect water, she has no friends or family members to go with. She has to go alone. She has to go at noontime because of her past, because of her lifestyle. No one wants to be around her. So she's thinking, if I can get this kind of water from this man, then I don't have to come back here anymore. I don't have to be ridiculed and I don't have to feel shame and and, and guilt and be lonely anymore. But she still doesn't understand what Jesus is saying. There's something deeper here. But Jesus flips the script. What Jesus is about to say seems condemning and sarcastic, but it's so not. It's called grace. Oftentimes for us to know what we really need, we need to understand the truth of where we're at. And when we recognize where we are at, we finally can say yes to what God has for us. This woman doesn't think this man knows anything about her, but he's gonna, she's gonna find out very quickly he does. This is what Jesus says in verse 16 through 18. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. She said, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. I think this woman would have said, oh, okay, this guy's a little bit different. Said he was a prophet at first. I met with a guy recently. When he reached out to me, he said, Eric, I need to talk with you because I have a a severe anger problem, and it's hurting my family. So I said, absolutely, come on in. I, I have struggled with anger, too. It's not always a fun thing. It can hurt relationships. And so he comes in and he sits down and, and pretty quickly as he starts describing a story, he gets real emotional. Because of his anger issues, it's pushing away his wife, it's pushing away his child, it's pushing away the people that he loves the most. And so I started to ask him questions. And I said, just tell me about what's going on in your life. Tell me what happened in your past. And I knew a little bit about his story, but I didn't know all of his story. And I just sat there my heart broke. I thought to myself, no wonder he's getting angry. No wonder he's gone to the bottle. No wonder he has gone to drugs before. Because the things he was telling me, he was so wounded. He was struggling so badly. And I quickly realized with his relationship with his parents and other people, this guy doesn't have an anger problem. This guy has a need for approval and love and worth, and meaning. He wants to be loved for who he is, and he felt like he isn't, and because he doesn't have that deep down sense of approval, and love, and validation, and worth, he resulted to anger, to express that. He resulted to medicine, to numb that. He he resulted to pills, to numb that. It wasn't an anger problem, it was something deeper. But we had to go to what was deeper in order to deal with what was happening here. And that happens with all of us. Oftentimes we think we have an issue up here, but it's something deeper pushing it to the surface. When Jesus says to the woman, go and get your husband, he's not saying to her, you have a man problem. You have a relationship problem. No, you have a love problem. You have an approval problem. You have an acceptance problem. Deep within, you have tried to find that with man after man after man after man after man after man, and it's still not satisfying you. How true is that with us? Think about how we react in life or what we do. Oftentimes it's because something deeper that's not being satisfied, that's thirsty, that's dry. And we try to 
find approval, worth, value, status, whatever it is with other things. It could be our bodies. It could be with anger or control, drinking, medicine, pills, food. It could be over-exercising, under-exercising. It could be our jobs. It could be money. It could be social status. It could be all of these things. And when Jesus would look you in the eye, he would tell you to go back to those things. And you would say to yourself, I've tried. I've done it over and over and over and over again. And I'm at the well. And there's one's empty. I'm empty. I think of what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. If this isn't real life, I don't know what is. He's talking about his whole life and what he pursues. And he says this, anything I ever wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure, anything. Sex, money, whatever it was for Solomon, he did, did it all, had it all. He said, anything I wanted I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for my labors. But I have it all. Money, fame, status, sex, hard work, success, whatever it is, I had it all. But how many of us have it all? But, but. As I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was really nothing ever worthwhile in anything. He's saying I had it all, and then when I looked down, I had nothing. Man after man after man after man, I have nothing. I'm at a well by myself. Shame, it's guilt. All of us have those things. Deep down we want quench that can only come, Jesus says, from the living water. The living water is the only thing that will satisfy, that will give us that love and approval and worth and value. Nothing else will. That's why you have to go back to the well every single day. It's funny, Jesus says this a little while later in John chapter 7. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. I love that he says, anyone's thirsty, come to me. So many of us go to that. Thinking that will satisfy. If you are not satisfied in here, Christ follower, you have gone to something else, a well that will dry up. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Come to me, he invites you. It's an invitation. It's every single day. You and I know the things that we go to for love, approval, value, all of those things, and it all leaves us empty, meaningless, like chasing the wind. Come to me, Jesus says, and the river, the streams, the spring of living water will continue to flow within you. You will never be thirsty again. Jesus crossed the boundaries for this woman. Everybody else took the long way around. He crossed physical, gender, social boundaries to find this woman who at her core was living a life that everyone else rejected. She knew it. That's why she was lonely. Jesus loved her anyways and offered her a gift, a gift of eternal life, living water she realizes this guy is not just a prophet, someone that speaks on behalf of God, that he is the Messiah, the one 
who is God who has come to save her people, save all people. And once she realizes that, it leads us to this point. It's hard to keep grace to yourself. Text tells us she left the jar and ran to the townspeople to tell them about Jesus. Think about this picture for a moment. It clicked for me this week. She came heavy with this jar to get water that she would have to turn around and walk back to where she lived every single day. But now that she found Jesus, she leaves the jar behind and she runs freely to tell people about him. She can leave the jar behind. She doesn't have to go to that anymore. This jar that is representing guilt and shame and loneliness and fear. This jar that represents her past, how she was living then. Jesus says, give that to me and I will give you living water. She leaves it behind for the first time and she runs. When you know Jesus and what he's done for you, you have to leave your old life behind and run and tell people about what he's done for you now. When you taste and see that he is good and it just bubbles up in you, it should flow out of you. I love this part. Then they said to the woman, these people, these townspeople, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. She goes and tells the town people. They go discover Jesus for themselves and now they believe he's the savior of the world. In a sidebar conversation, Jesus says this to the disciples, wake up. And look around, the fields are already ripe for harvest. So many people, the people that you think are outside of the bounds of God's love, by the way, that was you and me. It's so funny that we judge other people for how they live. We were the woman at the well. Not just everybody else. We were at the woman at the well. And Jesus came to us. How can we not go tell other people about this? This grace, this love that transforms. You don't have to be thirsty anymore. So many people are thirsty. Go and tell them about Jesus. How will they know? You go to the wells. I should go to the wells. You have living water. Rescue people from themselves so they can go to Jesus. It's interesting, of all the things that Jesus says on the cross as he's about to die for us, of the seven sayings from the cross, one of them was, I am thirsty. They put on a sponge, they put a sponge on a pole and they put vinegar in it and they give it to him. Who wants to drink vinegar when we're thirsty? Nobody, he didn't quench his thirst. Jesus didn't have to have his thirst quenched because what he was doing is doing it for us so we wouldn't have to be thirsty. He became thirsty so we wouldn't have to be. We celebrate on the cross. Let's honor that today. Take your communion cups. If you don't have one, raise your hand and we'll make sure to get you one. And over the next few moments, Spencer's just going to play about God's grace and how it comes to find you. And when you are ready, you take this out and you celebrate on your own. But don't do it until you look at Jesus in the eyes and you tell him thank you for coming to find you where everyone else would have avoided you. He came to where you are, became thirsty so that you will never have to be. And if you have ran away from him or walked away from him, he says, come to me. Come back to me. You will never be thirsty again.
from the creation to the cross. And there from the cross into eternity, your grace finds me. Yeah, your grace finds me. It's there in the darkest night of the soul. It's there in the sweetest songs of victory. Your grace finds me. Your grace finds me. Your great grace, oh, such grace. Your great grace, oh, such grace. Same for the rich and the poor. Same for the saints and for the sinners. Enough for this whole wide world. Your great grace, oh, such Breathe in the breath, breathe in the grace of God, and breathe out the praise of God as you go today. We will see you next week. You are dismissed.